0: Amen. Well, hello again. So if you weren't here last week, uh, I just want to uh, take a little bit of a moment to say uh, just a, uh, hi, how you doing? I'm Captain Jonathan. I'm going to be the one. Does the majority of the preaching? Uh, not that my wife is bad at it by any means, but I just really love doing it, and uh, I'm kind of selfish that way. That if I like to do something, I wanted I'm going to do it often. Uh, and so I'll be the one doing the majority of the preaching. Uh, I am Australian by birth; I'm American by citizenship. Uh, but so if I come across any funny words that you don't understand, just you know at the end of the service, be like, "Hey, you said this. What did you mean by that?" And it's like, eh, "We'll deal with it later." Uh, but we're starting, uh, we're starting a 12-week sermon series uh, called We Believe, and it is going to go through the 11 doctrines of the Salvation Army. Now, if you're good at math, some of you are now thinking, wait a minute, if there is 11 doctrines, why is he going to go for 12 weeks? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, that's the other thing I do. I ask questions for you, and then I answer them because I think you need to know these things. Uh, Essentially, we need to know uh, what is doctrine and why doctrine. So today's sermon is going to be based uh, on this this sort of uh, understanding of of trying to figure out what exactly is doctrine and why it's important to understand it. And so here's the basics. Uh, The Bible was written in a lot of languages. Uh, In fact, uh, two primary languages, but I think there's three or four languages recorded. But uh, Hebrew and Greek, uh, Hebrew is for the Old Testament and Greek is for the New Testament, and the word doctrine, ooh, he's pressing the next button. That means I can stand over here and not worry about it. I've never had someone hit the next button during a sermon before. This is great. Uh, and so uh, basically uh, the word doctrine means the same in both the Hebrew language as it does in the Greek language. And uh, it's in the Old Testament it's really only found in one place. That's the book of Job that was read for us just a couple of minutes ago. Uh, And that story is quite simple. You might know the story of Job. Job is a a righteous man. He loves God. He's been blessed by God. All this great stuff is happening to him. Satan comes up to God and says, the only reason this guy loves you is because everything's going right in in your life. Uh, How many of you have ever been there? You felt like uh, everything's going right in your life and that God's blessing you and then something happens that just sort of... Makes you doubt. You know that little, I'm not saying you lose your salvation or lose your faith, but you know that little voice in the back of your head that just goes, ding, ding, ding? Well, if God really loved you, would this be happening? You know that voice? Am I the only one with that voice? That's the other thing. If you missed last week, I like feedback. Um, I like amens, I like hallelujahs, I like nods and you know, feedback, right? So if you ever get that little, little, uh, <clears throat> jolt in the back of your mind. Um, you really have to imagine what poor old Job was going through. Uh, he had his entire family killed. He had all of his livestock killed. He had all of his farms went bust. He was uh, His wife up and left him and was like, well, God doesn't love you anymore. I'm out of here. And so he's literally on the ground, destitute. He's put on his sackcloth and ashes. He's wailing. He has three friends and this is a freebie. It's not my sermon notes. If you have these friends like Job does, ditch them straight away. These are not the friends that you need in your life. They're not godly men. They don't have biblical counsel. They are not wise men. They come up to Job and they're like, Job, brother, this is all your fault. You must have done something wrong. Get rid of these guys. But what what uh, they say to Job is really interesting. Um, hey, hey. I'm gonna I'm gonna control it now, you're going too fast for me. Sorry. Calm calm it down. Then Zophar the Namanite answered and said, Should a multitude of words go unanswered, and a man full of talk be judged right? Should your babble silence men, and when you mock shall no one shame you? For you say, My doctrine is pure, and I am clean in God's eyes. What Job did was he answered these guys who came up to him and made all these accusations against him and said, Hey, you're not good enough for God, you're not clean enough for God, you're not honorable enough to God. Uh, He actually answered them and says, My doctrine is pure. So what's Doctrine. Doctrine is an understanding and a teaching. And so the actual word, the full word, means learning, teaching, insight, or instruction. And so Zophar the Nehemiah had heard Job say that when he thinks about God, what he teaches others about God is good and right. And so uh, when you think of doctrine, the word doctrine it can be kind of a theological word, it could be a complicated word, but what you need to understand about it is it simply means teaching. So doctrine means teaching. So what does it mean for us to talk about sound doctrine? All right, here we go, and I'm, I'm skipping a couple. So, but don't try and keep up, because I got my I got my little clicker. I'm, I'm I'm on I'm on for it myself. So doctrine is a set of teachings, a method of teaching beliefs in a consistent fashion. A, a word that we would use to describe it is actually systematic theology. What is Uh, Systematic theology. It's basically we start here and everything is consistent, everything is systematic, and everything moves in a progressive order. That's why in the Salvation Army, the first doctrine is about what? Scripture. We believe that the scriptures of the Old and New Testament were given by inspiration of God and that they only constitute the divine rule of Christian faith and practice. We'll get there next week. The second doctrine says there's only one God who's infinitely perfect, the Creator, Governor, and Preserver of all things, who's the only proper object of religious worship. And so what happens is in our doctrines, we're systematic. Each one builds on each other. You find out who God is by reading scripture. You find out about the Trinity by understanding who God is. You understand about the work and person of Jesus by understanding his place in the Trinity. You understand that uh, the work of Jesus, why he had to come through the sinful nature of man. And so each of our doctrines is systematic, leading to the next, and each one based in scripture. And so uh, if you were to read here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, uh, this is what God's word says. Follow the pattern of sound words or sound doctrine that you have heard from me in the faith and love that you are in Christ Jesus. And so what Paul is saying to Timothy is you've heard doctrine from me. You've heard good words, solid words from me. And so keep, uh, keep understanding that you need to understand this doctrine. You need to keep to this doctrine. It is sound. It is pure. It is good. And here's why. What we teach and what we learn matters. There are some places where Paul is writing to the church because their doctrine has gone off. It's gone in the wrong direction. They're teaching things and believing things that aren't biblically correct. Uh, If you look around at the church today, there are some churches that are not teaching sound doctrine. There are churches who really like, really like to tickle the ear and pour honey into the ear So that you never feel upset, so you never feel displaced, so you never feel challenged by the word of God. And don't get me wrong, not every sermon has to be fire, brimstone... Uh, repentance, fiery type preaching, not every sermon has to make you uncomfortable. But if every sermon you listen to doesn't challenge you, doesn't challenge you to grow in the Word of God, if every sermon that you hear isn't centered around the work of Jesus Christ, if every sermon you hear isn't in some way connected to Scripture, you're not, you're not hearing a sermon, you're hearing a motivational speech. Exactly. And motivational speeches, they have their places, not in church, outside of the church, they have their places... But in church, it needs to be a place for expounding sound doctrine. What Paul says is they've invented a gospel contrary to the gospel of God. They've created a narrative that goes against what Christ taught and revealed to his disciples. What he says is that Jesus set a message... He set a path and a way of going forward, and sometimes that path is difficult. Sometimes we don't understand why things happen. Sometimes we don't understand the will of God, but that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the will of God. It doesn't mean that God's plan for us isn't set. It doesn't mean that he's ignoring us or that he doesn't love us anymore. Sometimes it's just so far out of our realm that we need to put our faith and our trust in Jesus. So as Christians, we should study sound doctrine, which is basically what the Bible teaches about Scripture, God, the Trinity, the person of Jesus Christ, sin, uh, Jesus' death, repentance, grace, obedience, holiness, and eternity. And those are the 11 doctrines that we're going to spend our time going after. So after talking about what doctrine actually means and why it's important to uh, uh, study sound doctrine, I really want to sort of... Uh, let, uh, spend our time together talking about five things that are uh, sort of the practical implications of sound doctrine. So if you're an A-type personality and you like to take notes, go to the back of your program. There's going to be some, uh, some lines there that you can jot down notes. What you need to do is, is write, there are five implications of sound doctrine. There, there are more implications. These are just my favorite, right? And because I'm the one with the microphone, I get to do my favorites, Okay, Romans 11.33 says this, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. Uh, these five things uh, that I think leads to primarily. Here we go. Um, first off, doctrine, needs to, doctrine leads to knowledge. Second, doctrine leads to love. Third, doctrine leads to humility. Fourth, doctrine leads to obedience. And fifth, doctrine leads to worship. So if you're an A-type personality, you can write those five things down. We're going to go through each one. So if I, if I jump on and you don't have them all written down, but knowledge, love, hub, uh, humility, obedience, and worship is where we're going to land. So the first one, doctrine leads to knowledge. To, uh, to knowledge. When we study doctrine, it opens up our understanding of God. It's look. If you want to know who God is, if you want to know uh, his nature, his character, the way that he thinks and operates and, and, and his motivations for doing things, it's real easy. Open up your Bible. Uh, the Bible contains everything about God. Um, I'm, I'm fond of saying, and you will hear me say it often from this pulpit, that the Bible is not our story, but it 's god 's story we 're a character in that story, but the primary character, the focus of that character of that story is god it 's his story about what he has done it 's his revelation about his nature and his character. and so uh, oftentimes what we do is we come from uh, what 's called an anthropocentric view of scripture. It means uh, human centered. Right? If you've ever been to, to school and you've studied uh, anthropology, the study of man, anthrocentric, man-centered, or self-centered. What you need to approach scripture is what's called uh, theocentric, which means God-centered. Scripture is God's centered So, if we want to understand God, so when we understand doctrine, when we study doctrine from the Word of God, it opens up our knowledge and understanding of God. Now, the passage I read from Romans says that God's ways are inscrutable, uh, his, his glory uh, is unimaginable, and, and we're never ever going to hit the same level of God, but that doesn't mean that we can't understand the things that He says and does. When we study doctrine, we begin to grasp how much God is there and how infinitely awesome he is, which is a very fun sentence to write. Infinitely awesome. Infinitely, meaning there's no measure on it. It goes on and on and on. Every time you think you've come to, oh, I understand how awesome and how incredible God is. No, there's more. Uh, I've been a Christian since I was about four years old. That's another story that we'll get into at another time, probably when we get to the 11th doctrine. Um, My wife smiles because she knows the story because she's heard it before. Uh, But I became a Christian when I was four years old, and I am now 35 years old, which means I've been a Christian for, for me for a long time. And every single week when I'm studying, preparing for sermons, there's a... There's something that I learn and take away. And I can imagine if you ask anyone who is of retirement age that as you continue on and study and growing in the knowledge of God every single week, every single day, every time you study and open the Bible and listen to doctrine and hear doctrine and study doctrine, there's more about God that you find. He is an infinite pool. In the immortal words of Shrek, God is like an onion. He has layers. And every time you peel one off, there's another one right on underneath. It's a good sermon when you can quote Shrek, right? Amen. Here we go. Uh, Next, number two, doctrine leads to love. When we know more about what God has done for us, it leads to a greater understanding of how much He loves us, which makes us love Him more and more. So when you come to doctrine and you start studying it, and you start studying the, the character and nature of God, and you realize that, uh, as an example, the book of Romans says, uh, Romans five eight that God demonstrates His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, when you start understanding more and more and more about the nature and character of God, it leads to love because you understand how much God loves you. And, to, and, and let me tell you this, if you don't understand how much God loves you, then you cannot, through Christian love, properly love others. You can, there's, there's a human way of loving. There are people who are who are married, who are not Christians, and they love each other. That's fine. That's not a biblical love. I'm not talking about that type of love. I'm talking about the love of God that God wants us to display to our brothers and sisters, even those who are not saved. God wants us to love in a particular way. And if you don't understand the love of God, you will not understand that love. And so we need to love Oh, we need to to know how we love God, so that and how God loves us. It opens up our understanding of love. Because even in the church, sometimes we miss it. Uh, I, I spoke about this a little uh, a little last week. Sometimes our motivation for doing good works doesn't come from our love of God; it comes from our love of being in front of people and wanting that sort of uh, that those accolades of standing up in front of people. And a bonus is that also the more we love God, the more love flows from us to love others. Um, have you ever heard the expression, this person is difficult to love? Uh, there are people, let's, let's just be honest, there are some people who make it real difficult to love. Their actions, their words, the way that they behave, the way they do things, some people, they just make it a little more difficult to love. And what makes it easy for us to love those people is understanding that Christ died for them the same way that he died for us. So doctrine leads to love, which then doctrine leads to humility. When you learn more about God, you can't fail to notice how incredibly powerful he is. You open up your Bible and you're confronted with the, uh, the very first chapter is, Chapter 1 of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, and it describes how incredibly powerful God is. This is the God who spoke all of creation into existence just through his words. He said, "Let there be light," and it was there. Right? There wasn't just a whole bunch of stuff laying off to the side where God was like, "What am I going to make today?" <laughs> well, that looks interesting. Let's make a llama. I can take this bit from over here. No, God just said, let there be, and it was. He didn't come from a bunch of, of stuff that was just off to the side. He created everything from scratch. The biblical term is creation ex nihilo, which means creation from nothing. And so God uh, created everything. And so when we start to, to wrap our minds around sound doctrine, we start to understand how much Powerful God is, it leads to humility because that powerful God loves you. So the God who spoke all of creation into existence simply by his sheer force of will said, I love this person. Oops, I skipped a slide. When we see the infinite distance between his power and our weakness, we are humbled by the fact that God uh, even gave us the time to worship him. When you see how powerful God is and how, in contrast, you and I are so unpowerful or weak. And the same can be said when we talk about God's holiness and our own innate sinful natures. There is such a vast chasm of difference between us. No one can truly see the power of God and still be proud of their own accomplishments. Well, I played in the worship band today. I played all right. It wasn't great. It was all right. But I can't be proud in that when I compare myself to the work of God. Yeah, I played a guitar. You know what God did? He invented music. Is there any competition that you're winning against God? Is there any competition? You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good, I'm a good public speaker. Yeah, God spoke existence into into existence. Oh, um, uh, I, I'm a good, I'm a good father, mother. Really, God loved you so much that He died for you. There is nothing when you compare your achievements to God where you come out on top in that particular scenario. And so it leads naturally. Studying about God's nature and character leads to humility. And then doctrine leads to obedience. If you are studying the word of God and you come across a chapter called Exodus... And and in Exodus, you read that Moses goes up this mountain and God says, look, these are my laws. These are my statutes. These are the things I want you to do. Don't lie. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Love people. If you continue on from Exodus and you go into Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, he says things like, love your neighbor as yourself. And so, as you study more doctrine, as you study scripture and what's the the, the nature and character of God, you you learn more naturally about the way that God wants you to live. Contrary to popular opinion, uh, God doesn't want you just to to make it up as you go along. He doesn't just want you to live the way you think you should live. He doesn't want you just to do what you think you should do. Uh, God has a set of rules and a set of things in place, and God said, This is the way things are supposed to be. And if you are a follower of God, then you need to follow those rules, statutes, and commandments. Uh, uh, Jesus said that nothing is going to pass away from the law until it's, it's fully complete at the time of his return. And so we're still under certain aspects of the law. We, we talked about that last last week when uh, we talked about Paul's letter to the Romans that said, hey, it, it's not bad. It's just our own sinful nature that makes it impossible for us to follow. Uh, the law in itself, by itself, is a good thing. And so when you think about things like that, don't murder, don't, don't kill people, don't 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 uh don't, you know don't steal stuff don't go to the bank and decide hey you know I and mean, there's money over there I want that don't do stuff like that god doesn't like it and it says so in scripture so the more you study scripture the more you realize the way that god wants you to behave and so studying doctrine leads to obedience and just as you can only love god as far as you know god you can only obey god as far as you know what god wants you to do this is why it's really dangerous to uh there are some uh you might have heard this expression uh uh, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary use words um i hate that saying i understand the sentiment behind it but i really hate that saying because guess what it's not found in the bible in fact, there's a section, I believe it. it's in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, where he says it's absolutely necessary to use words. It's absolutely necessary to preach the gospel. Because if you don't preach the gospel, how are people going to know that they need to change their lives? If people don't know they're sinners, how are they going to know they need a Savior? And the only way they can know they're sinners is if you preach the gospel. And so uh, you can only obey God as much as you know Him as much as obedience that flows out of the knowledge of His will for you. And it leads us uh, it leads us to my last point. Doctrine leads to worship. Listen, when you know more about God, when you know about His love for you, when you know what He wants for your life and you, you, you know all these things and you start being obedient to it, the natural expression of, of our response to God is worship. Now, I'm not talking worship, the the uh, uh, the couple of times um, that you uh, uh, you know we meet together and we sing three songs. I'm not talking about that type of worship. That is worship. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about uh, worship is the aspects of your life that display the glory of God and you give honor and praise to him in those, in, in those times. Amen? Amen. you sort of with me on that? Like when I talk about worship, I'm not talking about the 12 minutes, three songs that you do once a week uh, and the, the, the preacher struggles badly on the guitar uh, as he's outshined vastly um, by others who will remain nameless. Amen. Um, Right, Uh, That's not the worship we're talking about. What we're talking about when we say worship is your expression of gratitude to God in every situation in your life. Uh, My wife and I went shopping yesterday. Now, I know, some of you are like, really? You went shopping? That's amazing. Why are you bringing that up? Because God blessed me with the money to be able to go into Walmart and buy a case of water. There are some people in this world that does not have the money or does not have the water available to purchase. We use uh, people of my generation and below started using an interesting hashtag called hashtag first world problems because people started complaining about things that we take for granted but in other parts of this country people don't have. In Flint, Michigan, you still can't drink the water. Now, I tasted the Roswell water I'm not too happy with that, which is why we were buying bottled water yesterday at Walmart. But the water still came out of the faucet. And they're still able to shower with that water. In some places, there is no running water. In some places, there are no showers. In some places, there are no bathrooms. You have a hole in the ground. The reason I'm bringing all this up is because sometimes we forget exactly how blessed we are in this country. And when you realize your blessings, the ones that come from God, the natural expression as humans is to follow through in a state of worship. Doctrine leads to worship. Knowing what God has done for us leads to worship. I want to end just a little bit of our time together with just a couple of thoughts to sort of summarize this. Those are the five points. Now when I finish a sermon, I finish the sermon. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray with me. As we go through these next now 11 weeks and we study the doctrines of the Salvation Army, these are not inherent to the Salvation Army. They're not Salvation Army alone doctrines. We're not weirdos off on on a fringe. Well, we are, but not in that way. What I want... These, these are articulations of biblical truth. And they're important to the identity of the Salvation Army. When we say that we believe Scripture is the only, only way we should practice our faith, and, the, and, and anything that we do up here needs to come from Scripture first, we mean it. So this is what I would like you to do. Join me in prayer and just pray for these next... 11 weeks as we study the doctrines of the Salvation Army, articulations of biblical truths found throughout all of Scripture, and just pray that God opens our hearts and opens our minds, that the Holy Spirit comes in and will convict us if we are doing stuff that is not doctrinally sound. And pray that these five points, that God is going to open them to you. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity, opportunity you've given us to come into your presence and to worship you. I pray, Lord God, that uh, as we go from this place, that you help us understand the importance of doctrine, of understanding you, of knowing you, and the things that flow out of that. Lord I I pray that you are with each one of us as we understand that doctrine will lead us to the knowledge of you will help us love you better and love others better that doctrine will lead us to humility in your presence knowing that we can't do the things that you can do that it leads us to obedience and Lord I pray that it leads us into a state of worship That is pure and holy and righteous before you. Lord, I'm thankful for every head that is bowed here today. We love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, so I had a special request.